We welcome you to the preaching service of the Scottsboro Christian Church. I'm Otis Clark, the minister, and we are so pleased to have you with us. Today is a special day for the body of believers at the Scotts Fork Church in that uh, it is has been designated as Family Day. I probably am correct when I say backing through the years, it probably was called Homecoming, at which time they would invite any and all who maybe have moved from the area or maybe to even other states. And if uh, it were possible uh, that uh, they would invite them and hopefully that they would come back and share with us in a worship service, commune with us and share in the preaching of the word. And uh, then all afterwards we share in a big meal, turkey and dressing and, and all of the trimmings. And uh, so uh, uh, it uh, hopefully is going to be a very, very, very nice day then, and I'm sure that it will. This morning, I want to talk about a subject entitled, it's in the form of a question, what will heaven be like? And friends, we need to understand that heaven was very, very dear to our Lord uh, because he knew that's where he wanted his children when they pass from this life and when he comes again to share in an eternal, grab grab a hold of this terminology, an eternal home. So I'm going to be reading from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 6, and if you will, listen to the word. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Listen what he says and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we see here, of course, if we back up into the 13th chapter, beginning verse 31, uh, Jesus predicts uh, Peter's denial, and all of this is in preparation, and they uh, about the fact that Jesus soon uh, would be going. So as I was thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, about our message and preparing for the hour, uh, I could not help but be saddened because uh, as I have sought to prepare for this message about heaven, uh, it's so heartwarming to understand the profound teachings and the hope that we have of living after we die. Nowhere else, I grab a hold of that, brothers and sisters, nowhere else is that found in any part of our world, uh, the hope that we have like through Jesus Christ. You see that as we study life and study the Bible, that uh, Jesus Christ, Christianity, is the only one who has a tomb to venerate. And so when I think about it and I think about many who uh, were once Christians and seeking to live the Christian life, and for whatever reason or reasons, they are no longer doing that and have given up seemingly to a large degree on their, uh, their faith in Christ. 
And then seemingly I look and there just seems to be millions and millions, good, good people who seemingly do not care. Maybe they don't have time with all the hustle and bustle. Uh, so, so much to contend with. And I might have shared this last Sunday on the podcast. Have no question, people, that unless there is an intentional effort on your part and mine, we in this day, because of the tremendous pace we are moving, in all probability, we will not make uh, the preparations that we need to make. We will not study. Uh, we will not uh, do the things that we need to do uh, so we can understand more about life and understand more about the hope that we have with Jesus Christ. It's interesting when we read in John 14, and I've read it many and many a time, and I'm sure that you have too. And uh, I read those words just a while ago in verse 3 uh, and that it says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Now, what we need to see, we know that's true, but there's something else that we need to see. He says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And so what he knows when he said that is that that he knows we're coming. He knows that there will be those who will seek to live as they ought to live, who will seek to serve him, be faithful to him. And he said, for such I have gone to prepare a place for you. And that is so beautiful. You see, when we look at this matter of life after death, and and that's a biggie. I I have a book that uh, we used in Bible study a number of years ago entitled Heaven. Sold over a million copies and a tremendous book. And uh, one of the things that we look at when we look at life is uh, that uh, every religion has some concept of uh, what heaven is. Uh, It's been called paradise. It's been called utopia. It's been called nirvana. It's been called Zion, city of David, New Jerusalem, a city, a country, the kingdom, the city of God, the happy hunting grounds, the sweet by and by, and a house not built with hands, streets paved with gold, walls made of jasper and pearls, and all kinds of precious jewels. And that's a quote from Joseph Phillips. There's a verse of scripture that came to mind, uh, that I came across that in sharing this message. And the reason heaven is so universally believed and is because of what it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. Powerful, powerful words. God has placed inside of us this idea that there's got to be more than just this life. There's got to be a place uh, where uh, God rewards those who love him and a place where God punishes those who don't. God has set, as the ecclesiastical writer said, has set eternity in the hearts of man. God, God the Father, has set eternity in the hearts of men. And then also in the Corinthian letter, it says, uh, or we ask ourselves before we read that verse, so what will heaven be like? 
Well, oddly enough, there is a powerful, powerful lot when you think about how mass the writings are from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation, the last chapter. Uh, But in fact, Paul implies that when he got to go to see heaven, uh, this is in 2 Corinthians 12-14, and this is a very uh, deep thought, and it says in in 2 Corinthians 12-4, he said, he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. You see, other religions have been very explicit, have very explicit descriptions of heaven. Like, for instance, the Koran has a very detailed description of paradise. Uh, They say it's a place filled with beauty, uh, large-eyed female companions, and, and much of Muslim teachings about heaven is based on stories that Muhammad told about a miraculous journey he supposedly had there. You see, the Buddhists have as many paradises as uh, Buddhas. Each enlightened being has their own personal heaven. Uh, In addition, there are various gods and goddesses inhabit a, a series of heavens of their own, and on we can go. And on and on I could go about the various religions and their descriptions of what heaven would be like. But Christianity says comparatively little in many ways about heaven outside of some cryptic statements about what will and won't be there. I want to share with you that as we study this subject, we need to see very easily that the Bible teaches about heaven this and that is all of our imaginations of what heaven will be like can't even touch the glory the majesty and the awe we feel when we get there the bible uh, of the holy word teaches us if there's anything to be said what a magnificent place it will be. Now, in my making my preparation, so many things went through my mind. And I said, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? And then as I look out my window, see the beautiful blue sky with a few white clouds in it, and see the birds of the air, the cattle of the field, the little red cardinal, the little hummingbird, and on I can go. And I believe that the best answer as to how we have what we have is found in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God always has been, always is, and always will be. And so if he can do all of that, I am sure that he is totally capable of preparing for us who make up our minds to give our lives to him and to live for him a place that is beyond description. And so when we think about this, uh, uh, also continue to study it, is uh, God gives us uh, many word pictures. And, uh, uh, and then, for example, the Bible tells us that heaven is up. Uh, how many times have we watched particular football games, basketball games, whatever it might be, and if an individual hopefully uh, is a Christian, will look up and and lift up his arms uh, to the heaven. I heard a little bit of humor that I thought was funny, that back in the 60s, 
there was a Russian uh, cosmonaut and uh, who mocked our faith. And he just returned from his trip into space, which was up, and he scoffed that he hadn't seen God while he was there. And uh, someone heard and joked about it. Well, if he had stepped out of his space suit, he would have seen God. But I suspect that that's not the point. I suspect that God uses this idea of heaven being up as a kind of word picture to tell us about himself and about heaven. Friends, we need to understand that God is everywhere. Solomon said this in Second Chronicles 2, 6, who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? And I love these words. You probably have heard them many and many a time in uh, Psalms 139, verses 8 through 10. And David noticed, listen to them, that says, If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere. But the Bible talks about God being up in heaven. And so today I want to look at three verses that helps us to see some things about our heavenly father being up, being in heaven. In Psalm 14, 2, it says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. Also in the book of Deuteronomy, we read these words. Look down from your holy habitat, habitation and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us. The idea that God is looking down from heaven is there to help us understand that God is in a position to see everything, to hear everything, and to look down into our lives and bless all of us. All that matters, though, after all is said and done, is that we realize how high and how powerful God is. That's the sad part, friends. You know, all of us have heard that phenomenal song, How Great Thou Art. How great. Could it be, as we look at our world, the thinking of our world, the mentality of our world, have we lost a greatness of the power, the majesty, and the beauty of God? Now, there's no question, I think this is fair to say, that there is a lot of terminology uh, in the book of Revelation that we would need to take figuratively. Uh, that uh, when, when I was in school, basically it was pointed out to us in exegeting the scripture, everywhere that you can, that you take it literally. And when it behooves us to realize that our Lord was using a word picture, uh, that we take uh, it figuratively. And so there's nothing we've ever seen, nothing experienced. Now, friends, I want to make heaven real to you here on earth that can begin to compare, prepare us for what heaven will be like, because heaven will be so different from anything we've ever experienced here on earth. So I don't know exactly where heaven is, so to speak, or exactly what it looks like. But I do know this. 
what will be there in heaven won't be here. Beg your pardon, but I do know what will be there in heaven uh, and won't be there. In Revelation, you've all heard these words. I want you to think about this, people. We think about where we are November 12th, 2023. Past week in uh, Bullock County, a lady, a mother, killed her two children. Uh, all the sad happenings up in Maine and and uh, Lewiston, Maine, 18 people killed, a lot of people injured, and on and on we can go. But I want to share with you, and I want you to grab a hold of this, people, in Revelation 21, and that is this, what will not be there. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. Do you hear what I said? No more death. No more mourning, crying or pain. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. No day will its gates ever be shut. There will be no night there. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Last Lord's Day, I had the privilege of baptizing a fine young man, same age I was when I was baptized, and I'm sure I made the comment, is that as a result of his obedience, that his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. One poet, in talking about what will not be in heaven, and he said it like this, No dust, no rust, no rats, no rot, no rakeless rock, no potent pot, no growing old with weakened sight, no denture slipping when you bite. I thought that was humorous. No bombs, no guns, no courts, no jails. All succeed and no one fails. No strikes or layoffs, full employment, everyone with job uh, employment. And also all tell the truth. They share and they state only facts. No wars, no wars. No more Israels, no more Gazas, no more debts, and no more income tax. So friends, what we need to see and understand is what will not be there. What will be heaven like? What can we expect? There's going to be a lot of singing and rejoicing but also in the book that was written about heaven that we studied, he pointed out something that I think is fair to say in exegeting the scriptures, that in many ways that it will be like what we enjoy here, but what we enjoy here will be refined to where there is total perfection. Every In Revelation 5.13, he says this, Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all the sea and all that is in them were singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. There's a lot of people who give given different thoughts about the worship of heaven. And friends, I don't mean to be cute or anything like that, but it certainly is not going to be a place where that we sit or stand and play a cello or play a violin. And that's all that we do know that is not a correct understanding of heaven. In no way is it going to be is it going to be boring, but heaven won't be the same old stuff all the time. In heaven, every time you turn around, 
you'll frankly run into something that's new and exciting because the Bible says, uh, behold, I make all things new. And I think that partly because people think maybe in heaven is to be in boredom. You see, friends, heaven's not only going to be a place where there's no boredom, there's going to be a lot of people. And as I was studying for this message, I thought, my goodness, you know, we've got to do a lot of studying, a lot of deep thinking, a lot, a lot of deep thinking. And uh, it's pointed out, and I thought it was so good, that we will see Abraham. Man, his seed shall be a, a great multitude. Isaac and Jacob will get to talk to Noah, who built the ark, who preached for 120 years and didn't have a single convert. And then in the Luke and the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter, uh, people will come from the east and from the west and north and the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. What about this, friends? You see, it's so hard because it seems that so many are just living for the moment. And yes, you've got to live for the moment, but also you've got to live beyond the moment. And uh, because of God so wills that you have days and weeks and months, so, uh, and that there will come a time when those weeks and months will end, uh, then what? And so we need to give thought to that. And I encourage you uh, to uh, try to understand uh, what an incredible lace heaven uh, will be. Now, there's a great teaching in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter and verse 4. Verse 4 is talking about the transfiguration. It says that when uh, Jesus took Peter and James and John upon the mountain, Elijah and Moses appeared to them. Now, I want us to notice something here, that Moses and Elijah had died ages before, but Peter knew who they were. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish, and I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, friends, if Peter could recognize Moses and Elijah, uh, who he'd never met, you can count on it. Listen, friends, on the fact that we will be able to recognize our loved ones who died in Christ, who are Christians. Yes, now we know the resurrection chapter of the Bible is the 15th chapter of the book of Corinthians. I encourage you to read that. It's an incredible chapter. And this is what Paul said to the church about the resurrection and speaking about life after death. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And so Paul helps us to see about what will happen when Christ returns, that the, peri uh, the perishable will put on the imperishable, and the mortal will put on immortality. Friends, I'll be able to recognize you. Won't that be wonderful? 
How sad it is. I've stood by many and many and many a grave in my 60 years of preaching, and I've read these scriptures. Our bodies will be changed. And, and as we know in reading in 1 John, the, John in writing, he says that when he appears, that we shall be like him. But let me close, and if there's one more thing we'll see in heaven. And that one more thing will make all the wonders and glories of heaven seem pale by comparison. comparison. There's one more thing will be even more important to us than family and or friends or even mean all of the famous people. Job said it like this in Job 19, 25 through 27. Listen, he says, I know my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will stand up on the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. You see, friends, I'll be uh, like walking into a room and seeing someone who you've always respected, someone you've cared for or loved entering the room, and they look right at you, and you can tell they're glad you're here, there. That's just an inkling of what it will be like when we see Jesus. And all he'll have to do is just look at us and you will know it has been worth the wait. You wouldn't have it in any other word, any other way. You know, there's that beautiful hymn that says, it will be worth it all. There is a story told of the days when doctors visited their patients at home. And it was obvious the patient didn't have long to live. And as the door as the doctor was about to leave, the sick man called out to the doctor, Doctor, I'm afraid to die. Can you tell me what lies, listen to me now, on the other side? And the doctor was very quiet for a moment and then said, I don't know. And so the fellow replied and said, You don't know. You are a Christian man. You are a doctor. And you don't know what's on the other side. And so, <coughs> excuse me, the doctor's hand, I beg your pardon, uh, and he thought uh, for a few moments, and the doctor's hand was on the handle of the door, and on the other side, uh, there was this sound of scratching and whining. And as he opened the door, a dog leaped into the room and jumped up on him. Did you see what my dog just did, the doctor asked? He's never been in this room before. He didn't know what was inside. He knew nothing except that I was here. And when the doctor, or when the door opened, he sprang in without fear. I know very little of what is on the other side of death, but I knew to do know one thing. I know my master is there, and that is enough. And when the door opens, I'll pass through with no fear, but with gladness. Friends, I hope you are a Christian. I hope you are prepared to meet Christ. I hope and pray if it's God's will that you will live to be 100 years old. I hope and pray you can have good health. But rest assured, if our Lord tarries in his coming, that you one day will die. Then the question is, what's next? And to me, it's so sad, so sad, and it really makes my heart sad that so many 
are not giving God's word a chance, are not giving Christ a chance, and cheating themselves when they could have such great hope, when they could have such great promise, and that we could live eternally. Well, there's no crying, no more sorrow, no more death, but an eternal home. Father, I pray that these words have helped all of us to realize, as it says in the scriptures, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment, that we would realize that we must think about the time when we will leave this world, and we must realize how wonderful it is to know that we can live again. So help us to make that preparation. Bless this message. In the Master's name we pray. Amen.